Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 73. This episode is sponsored by Rise of the Upreneur, the definitive guide to becoming the go-to leader in your industry and building a future-proof business. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So we have got another great guest for us this week, Tim Fulton. Now, Tim is a, is a nationally recognized small business consultant and advocate with more than 30 years experience in entrepreneurship. As a successful business owner, small business counselor, and an adjunct university professor, Tim's purpose and passion is helping others succeed. Tim is the author of a very popular award-winning book on small business titled Small Business Matters and the follow-up book called Small Business Matters and All That Jazz. Tim also publishes his own award-winning monthly newsletter, Small Business Matters. Tim, welcome to the show. Jeff, thank you very much. I've been looking forward to it. I am, I am looking forward to diving into this. So before we really get started, could you just give us some background about what's really brought you to this point today? Sure, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to. Uh, I started off uh, my career as a serial entrepreneur, and in fact, as a as a kid, I was a serial entrepreneur. I was uh, one of those kids that uh, just always looking for different ways of making money. I, I I delivered newspapers from a bicycle. I sold bumper stickers at school. I cut neighbors' yards. I was always fascinated different ways of making money and, and different products or services. Went away to school in, in New Orleans, Louisiana, Tulane, and got a degree in business. And everyone I knew went to work for a big company, insurance company, a, a bank. And I, I thought, why? Why would anyone want to work for someone else? Why would you not want to work for yourself? So got involved in a, a, a couple different retail businesses, tire and automotive business, a travel agency and an internet startup company, and just always looking for different ways of, 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 of coming up with products and services. And I would start a business, I would grow it and then look for a way to get out. And then I would start again and grow it and look for a way to get out. And over time, I found myself uh, mentoring, coaching, advising other small business owners. And that morphed into a uh, consulting practice now that I've had uh, now going on 20 years, Small Business Matters, uh, coaching and and then facilitating meetings for small business owners. And I feel like, Jeff, I feel like I've got a dream job. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I know it's, 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 you're very, everyone's really fortunate when they find that job and that they go, you know, even if I won the lottery, I don't think I could ever retire from it. I'm just, I just love what I do. And I think it's too, too not enough people find that, I think. I agree. Very lucky. And on, on a couple occasions, uh, blindly, I've, I've suggested to clients, you know, I would do this for free. And then I've quickly had to take that back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so for for that, um, for you getting into the small businesses, what do you think are is it, is is the US very much similar like the UK? I mean, the the small business world is is probably the backbone of, of the majority of the economy because there's so many of of them. What challenges do you think that they um, are a, a key factor that stops them from really flourishing? 
Well, first of all, Jeff, your your premise is, is right on. Over 99% of all businesses in the in the U.S. are small businesses. Over 50% of the, the gross national product comes from small businesses. Over 50% of all employees are employed by small businesses. So it is the, the backbone of our economy and yet uh, overlooked quite a bit, I think, particularly in terms of politics and, and, and government. And my guess is maybe no different than what you see there in the in the UK. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and as a result of that, I find in working with, with thousands of small business owners that there are a number of, of, of myths, misheld truths that uh, small business owners have either before they get into business or once they've got into business that they painfully realize, come to realize that they were wrong about. Uh, one of them, Jeff, I find is that uh, oftentimes a small business owner will ask me or, or suggest that maybe his or her job is going to get easier at some point as the longer they're in business. And sadly, I have to tell them that that's not typically the case that even if the business is successful, even wildly successful, the the job gets harder and the, it, the, it gets harder for the company as the company as the company grows. So it does not get easier. There's been a term that's been assigned to this. It's called the growth paradox. And the growth paradox is, is again, the belief that this is going to get easier over time when, in fact, it doesn't. It, get, it gets harder. And I think there are a number of factors that contribute to that. But So that's one of the myths is it, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. Yeah, and I suppose the challenge is, is as you grow, new, new, new challenges you face because growth is – you know, is a is a new section, a new comfort zone, and everything else for the business. Exactly, and and also that there are a number of just natural barriers to companies' growth. Ones that we don't anticipate, they just kind of show up, and and we like we hit our head on them as as we're you know growing, and and then try to figure out how to get past them. My experience, Jeff, is that first barrier shows up at a, about a million dollars in revenue, plus or minus, uh, for for a company. And and what normally causes that is, you know, when a business first gets started, the the founder of the business is able to to, to do a lot of the heavy lifting. They're they're the CMO, the COO. They, they're wearing all the C's, and they can do that up to a certain point. But typically, again, when a business gets a couple years in business, million dollars or so in revenue, the business need the business owner needs to be able to let go, needs to be able to delegate, bring on additional key executives so that the that founder can continue to grow the business. And if they're unwilling to do that or unable to do that, the growth of the business will stall, and the business will will con- will still continue to get more and more difficult. To, to manage. So being willing to let go, bring on smart people in, in key positions, very hard to do, but a requirement for a business to continue to grow. Yeah, it's a really good point as well, because I know that there's um, there's a couple of contacts that I've had just recently, actually, who listen to the show. And they talk about the, they find it really difficult to to sort of release that responsibility to someone else. And they find that they're getting stuck in that bad habit of micromanagement. Mm. You know, they 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 will say, "Okay, I'll let it go," but then all of a sudden, as they're checking every 
you know, two minutes to see if they're doing a good job. And they're finding that they're consumed by the fact that they're micromanaging, not really focusing on working on the business. They're still stuck in it. Yeah, they're they're working in the business and and they're not working at the right altitude in terms of leading the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they should be at a couple thousand feet and they're at a couple hundred feet. And again, can't understand why the business is not growing the way they should have. Yeah. That's one of the that's one of the myths. Yeah, well, let's dive into a couple more because this they, I always love these ones. So share with us another another myth. Sure. Another one is that, and I used to think that that the the most successful entrepreneurs were the were the smartest, you know, the highest IQ. That to be successful, you had to be really smart. And there was an interesting study that was done, and this was written up in Inc. Magazine a number of years ago. And they they took a group of really smart business owners and they tested their IQ and they found, and this is good news for me, certainly, and for for many, they found no correlation between IQ and success in small business. And this this was very interesting for, I think, a lot of people. So then they said, well, what is it? What is the biggest contributor from kind of a, 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 a DNA point of view? And so then they said, well, maybe it's, if it's not IQ, maybe it's your EQ, your emotional quotient, which is a measurement of emotional intelligence, how well you get along with others. And they thought, well, that must be it. That must be the driving force to entrepreneurial success is one's emotional intelligence. So again, same group, very successful business owners, tested their their emotional intelligence, tested their EQ. And in this case, uh, Jeff, they found there was some correlation between EQ and success in business, but not what they had uh, thought it was going to be. So then they said, well, what is it? What, what it, and, and then they, they tested something that I don't think they expected to see the results that they did. They, they looked at the AQ of these really successful business owners, and AQ is your adversity quotient, how well you're able to get through and, and over adversity within the, within the company. And, and Jeff, in this case, they found a direct correlation between one's AQ and their success in small business. And for those of us in small business, it, it makes sense because you know, I think of how much adversity I face, you face, your listeners face in operating a small business. And it's every day, every day we face adversity. And so it makes sense that those who are able to overcome adversity on a regular basis will be more successful in the small business. And, and Jeff, what they found is that people with a high AQ have a very similar mindset, a very similar mantra. And that, that mindset is, this too shall pass. How many times do you say that to yourself? This too shall pass when facing a difficult situation. And those who are able to say that and, and see kind of the, the light through the tunnel uh, are, are, are more successful in small business than the ones who just get paralyzed when they find themselves in a difficult situation. So, Jeff, it's all about your AQ. Yeah, it, it's funny enough. It's I've I've noticed that over the years when I've started this show and when I've done sort of interviewed successful business, it's that sheer tenacity to move on mm. and and push through. And actually, I've noticed that even even outside of business, even from people who were aiming to recover from long term illnesses and all sorts, is it, it they don't let 
things get in the way. They just mm-hmm. keep moving through. So they're able to – it doesn't say that it doesn't exist, but what it's saying is, is this is something I need to push through because if people are stuck in fear and worrying about that situation, they're not looking at growing. They're stuck in that sort of fixed mindset. So I think it's yeah, it makes complete sense to me as well. And actually, the it's also the intelligent one as well because um, I know there was a uh, I can't remember what magazine I read it over in here in the UK, and it said that the majority of successful people that we know as brands actually left school at sixteen or earlier hmm. because they they weren't if you want had that intellectual prowess that you would expect for you you know to go on to mm-hmm. university but there were um they were more tenacious and more street smart in dealing with it and how they used to do the business and i think that's it, it makes absolute sense especially in the world of entrepreneurship and small business yeah and you know i saw something recently jeff that going back 20 years <clears throat> excuse me 20 years ago the average adult <coughs> faced anywhere from eight to 10 adverse events on any given day, eight to 10 adverse events. And that an adverse event could be, if, if it's in business, a, a customer problem, an employee doesn't show up, maybe my car doesn't start, kids are sick. Today, they, they did that same measurement. The average adult, my guess is whether it's in the UK or here in the US, the average number of adverse events, and this is not a business owner, this is just average adult, 16 to 20 every single day. I think of, you know, within the first hour of waking up, I think I face sometimes 16 to 20 adverse events. So it just underlines, underscores the importance of being able to get through those difficult situations with the, with the right mindset. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things I highlight to a lot of um, people I work with is a huge importance of that resilience in, de- in developing how you, how you manage the uh, the stresses within your life in order for you to maintain that optimum level of performance and productivity, not only in just enjoying life itself, but in order to be an effective leader, no matter how big your business is, whether it's just you or whether you've got a team, it's it's really important that you learn to deal with the, the stresses because, as you say, stresses just seem to be increasing. They're not mm-hmm. decreasing, and that ranges from – you know, now we have this phenomenon of how we're affected by social media and all of this stuff. And that's not even getting into the actually important stuff. Yeah, I think I think you're, you're, you're right on target. And uh, Jeff, if I may, the one other myth that I see that comes up quite frequently for business owners once they've gotten into business is that they they've come to determine that they and they only are responsible for figuring out the vision, the long-term direction of their company. And, and some of them are, are equipped to do that. Some of them are, are natural visionaries. However, some aren't. And, and they, they find it very stressful that they, they just can't really think that way in terms of long-term direction of the business. And yet the reality is, and this is something that came up, one of my favorite authors, Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great, he said that the great companies, the, 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 the founder, the CEO is not the one responsible for the long-term direction of the company. If he or she gets the right people working for them, those people will figure out where that company is going to go long-term. So that takes a, a lot of stress over, off the shoulders of the CEO and that they don't have to figure out 
everything in terms of the direction of the business, that their team will help them figure that out. So I find that the many uh, successful CEOs, they find that to be makes certainly makes their job much easier. Yeah. And do you think that's also, um, or at least from the, the way I look at that, that's also a really important part of why small businesses or micro businesses should look at investing time, energy and effort and money into working with coaches or consultants to help them get focused you know outside that environment i think you're you're right on target because one whether they don't have that kind of that long-term gene in their in their mm. head or they just need a kind of a facilitator someone to help them work their way through where this company needs to go and and that could be a coach a mentor a, a counselor someone just to ask the right questions it's not about getting the right answers it's sometimes it's just asking the right questions that gets us to thinking long term about our business if you're an entrepreneur wanting to build a long-term highly profitable business then we invite you to pick up a copy of the new book rise of the youpreneur from best-selling author chris ducker it's the definitive guide to becoming the go-to leader in your industry while building, marketing, and monetizing a future-proof business, catapulting you to expert status in your market and setting you up for entrepreneurial success for years to come. You can pick up your copy of Rise of the Youpreneur by visiting youpreneur.com forward stroke book or simply searching for it on any Amazon website. So this is an opportunity where I get to put you on the hot seat, Tim, and ask you a set of questions I ask every single guest on the show. So we will kick off with the first question, which is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development? This will include, you know, health, mind, and body. Uh, just in terms of professional development, Jeff, I probably spend four to six hours a week reading, listening to podcasts, uh, attending uh, classes, seminars, and then in terms of my own health and fitness, it's that's probably five to ten hours a week because for me that's really important. I'm a one man show. If I'm not well, if I'm not able to work, uh, nothing's happening within my company. So my health and and mindset are really important. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, question number two is: What is your favorite personal development book and why? Favorite personal development? Well, I think back early in my career, the book that maybe had the most significant impact on me was Seven Habits of uh, Highly Highly Effective People, written by Stephen Covey, who, who passed away just uh, a year or so ago. That book comes back to me time and, and time again, uh, you know, starting with the, the end in mind, you know, one of the seven habits, and, and they're, they're so applicable not only to business but to our personal lives as well so i'd go with the seven habits no that's brilliant okay question number three is what is your favorite app oh favorite app favorite app well the one that i, I probably use most often because i'm in my car all the time is spotify I, I love to be able to listen whether it's to music or to listen to podcasts just to keep me occupied when i'm driving so spotify is probably top of my list on apps right now Brilliant. Okay, question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? 
Oh boy. Uh, I grew, my, my, my major in college was, was marketing. I had served in a, in, in a company as executive vice president of marketing. So when I got on my own, I just assumed that who else should be doing my marketing, but me. And while I think from a strategic point of view, I had a pretty good grasp of the execution is where I failed. And it wasn't until about five years ago, I made a key hire, and that was my oldest son, to take over all of my marketing. And he's done a, a brilliant job of, of helping market my practice. But the mistake was waiting so long and just assuming that I could do it myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that that's a very common one, to be honest. It's, it's amazing when you ask this question, that how many times I sit there and I'm nodding in agreement because I've done the same, <laughs> same mistake. <laughs> okay, question number five is, what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life, and how do you manage them? Oh, I love that word harmonizing. You know, oftentimes I hear, I hear, or people ask about balancing, and I've I've never bought into the idea of of balancing work and life because that means I have to sacrifice one for the other. Uh, I tend to think of the word that I use is how do I blend the two together, and and harmonizing I think speaks to that uh, beautifully. It's because I, I I love both of them, and so. An example would be, you know, uh, I, I, you know, when I travel, I look for opportunities to to be able to both work and travel to places that I might not get, you know, on my own, whether it's cities here in the U.S. or, or internationally. Uh, likewise, when I am traveling, I try to find opportunities to see friends, to sightsee, to to uh, take in, you know, whatever city I'm in. So I, uh, it's allowing me to both enjoy the work but enjoy the scenery and the place that I am. So I think that's probably one of the, one of the ways that I do it. The other is, um, Jeff, five years ago, I got an idea of, I'd heard of this word sabbatical, and I know it's far more common in Europe than it, than it is here, taking extended amount of time off. I'd never taken more than a, a week of vacation at a time, which here in the U.S. is, is not uncommon. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a month. I'm going to take a month off. Never done that before, and I'm a I'm a one man consulting practice, and I had friends that said it was it was professional suicide. You know, take take a month off, but I said I'm going to do it. And I took a month off, and it was terrific. I enjoyed it, and my business actually improved. And so now I'm in the fifth year. I continue now. I'm up to six weeks off every summer. My business has continued to grow despite taking more time off, and and I'm I'm much happier as a result. So. Being able to take off significant amounts of time have really helped me in terms of, you know, that that harmonizing between work and 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 life. Okay, there's a couple of interesting things that you mentioned there. So one of them was the fact that when you go away for work, you try to do a little bit of the touristy thing as well. Mm -hmm, because exactly. I think, I think so many people are, especially the international people that that I know. They're so busy going from one place to the other. And, you know, I get it. They, they own a business and everything else. But I think sometimes it is that important if you've gone to a place that you've never gone before, just to take, if you can, a, you know, a day or a couple of days where you can go and see the sites and you can go, I haven't just worked there, but I've actually embraced some of the culture. Because, it, you know, it's, it's one of those experiences that I recent, um, a few years ago, I first time I'd ever been to Philadelphia. And um, I'd never been there before, so I thought I wasn't with my wife. I was doing some work. I thought I'm going to take a couple of days off. 
you know, and you got to run up the rocky steps and you got to sit there at Liberty, is it Liberty Hall? Yes, Liberty Hall. Yes. Yep. You know, to, you know, you got to see the, the, um, the constitution place where it was signed and you just think, wow, holy crap, that's, that's, there's some serious history here. And there's some, just to experience that was amazing. So I think there's an, there's an important part of doing that. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's hard. It's it's not yeah, easy it is, to yeah. do, but I will try to build or add a day to a trip on the front end or on the mm. back end just so I can enjoy the time that I have there. Yeah, and the other thing you talked about is this sabbatical. So for you to be able to take that time off, obviously you've had to adjust in going – you know, you've had people say, you know, um, business suicide and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what, how do, how, or what do you put in place that allowed you to create that space? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a, a several colleagues here that have been able to just, they just step in. And if there's something that has to happen, if there's a meeting that must be facilitated, uh, a client that must be met with, I've got several colleagues who have offered to step in. And likewise, I do that for them when, when they're off. Uh, most of my clients are very understanding. Uh, they say, take your month off. We'll pick it back up when you get back. And in fact, several of them now are taking a month off. So I hope Maybe I'm having a, a positive influence on them as well in, in taking off that you know, significant uh, uh, amount of time. Brilliant. Okay, excellent. Okay, question number six is, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Well, Jeff, you alluded to this one earlier, and that is get a coach uh, as soon as possible, uh, yeah. a coach or a mentor, someone who's willing to ask tough questions, someone who's going to help hold you accountable for the things that you want to be held accountable to. I waited way too long in my own career as an entrepreneur to get help and and wish I had done it much earlier. And, and now as an executive coach, I certainly see the benefit of it from that perspective. But yeah. that would be number one is, is get a coach as, as early as possible and, and learn how to effectively use that, that individual in growing your business. Yeah. And I think it's, it's the, there's a huge benefit of having people that, you know, are going to hold you accountable because it's a lonely place being at the top. And it's, and it's also having someone that's going to challenge your, your excuses. I think there's a huge benefit in having someone that's, you know, is coming from a completely neutral place, mm-hmm. but is going to challenge you when you create those excuses of why you didn't do something or whether it be fear, whether it be old habits, whatever it is, that person is going to help you develop that winning mindset that's going to propel you and catapult you into success. Yeah. And Jeff, you know, we, we all have blind spots. Of course we do. Absolutely. Certain things that we, we don't know, we can't see. It's kind of like when you're driving your car, you know, yeah. you don't have perfect vision yeah. and it's up to that that coach up to that advisor to help bring out those blind spots, which I think is just so important in business today. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Question number seven is what is your definition of success? Mm. That's an interesting question, Jeff, because, uh, you know, early in my career, it was, it was all about success. It was about, about collecting things and accumulating things, whether it's clients or, or money or attention and that to me, that's how I define success. Now in the second half of my career, I, I look at it very differently. Success for me is, is being able to help others. 
recently, I attended a, a, one of my members sold his business and 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 did very well in selling his business. And they had a going away party. And for me, successes was attending that event and seeing the smile on his face that after I don't know. 30 or 40 years, he had achieved that successful exit. Or sometimes it's helping one of my clients you know, take a month off and enjoy time with family and, and get away from, from the business. For me, success is, is getting today. I got a nice thank you card in the mail from a client who said, you know, you've helped me do something I could never have done on my own. To me, that's that's success. It just yeah. doesn't get any better than that. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, question number eight is: What um, do you have any type of morning routine to get you prepped for the day ahead? Morning routine. The first thing I do is I wake up and at four fifty every morning, and I journal for about ten minutes and just just write down some things from the previous day. Write down some things for today. The second thing I do is I take my dog, my, my uh, uh, retriever Mo, for a 30-minute walk, and that's that's almost my version of meditation because he just goes his own way. I don't have him on a leash, and now I've got 30 minutes on my own at a time in the morning when there's not much traffic, and it allows me to just kind of sort out the day, think about the big things that I've got going on that I want to focus on, so the by, by the time I get back to the house, I'm ready to go to work. But you know, it's that first 45 minutes that really sets up the rest of my day. And for you, because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of journaling, what have you found um, beneficial in, in the journaling process for you? Well, it, it takes what is already uh, residing in my head, the, 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 the successes of the previous day, the challenges that I faced, and maybe the, the most important question that I'll ask myself every day is, is what am I grateful for? Mm-hmm. And it's a, a question I'm, I'm afraid that we don't ask enough. We, we yeah. see a lot of negative things going on around us and we forget that we live in such a great place and, and so many positive things that we're surrounded by. So just once a day, I'll write down three things that I'm grateful for. And it just forces me to just think differently about the world around us. And for me, that's very powerful. Yeah, no, absolutely. It would certainly be one of the biggest um biggest shifts that I ever got was to start focusing on that because it was it was something you kind of like looked at well I certainly looked at it originally going that's a little bit woo-woo for me but actually once you start the exercise and you start to you really do get an appreciation of the important things rather than actually just that momentum of I just need to keep moving forward keep moving forward it gets you to stop and reflect for a second yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And I've been doing it now for a couple of years. And I can't imagine not doing it now. Yeah. If, if I didn't do it, I'd feel terribly guilty. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so the final question is the life lesson question. This is where you get to pick a number between one and 50. And each number represents a lesson that I have learned from recovering from an illness and starting my own business. Um, it is kind of like a conversational topic point. But also, it's okay for you to disagree because it's a it's a lesson. So we see what comes up. So pick a number between one and fifty, Tim. Sure, Jeff. It's thirteen. Number thirteen. Thirteen is experience versus bling, and you've kind of like answered that question already because it was the when I was recovering from the well, certainly in the early years of my of my life, it was all about achieving the car. Mm-hmm. Achieve, you know, reaching a certain pay pay level, 
It was getting the nice watch or whatever it was. And then when I came out of my illness, I realized that actually it was the experiences that mattered. It was the watching my kids walk for the first time or actually wanting to be with my kids. Because when I was ill, I have to be honest, I didn't particularly want to be there because I wasn't in a great place. Mm. And it was, you know, being able to play catch with your kids for the first time or even for me it was being able to have a walk and not be absolutely knackered and unable to function for for a several week period so it's it's looking at those experiences and stopping for a moment and just going actually they're really the gems in our life not the not the fast cars or the the lovely house don't get me wrong they're nice to have Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're on your deathbed, they're not the things you're really going to think about. It's going to be those those experiences. And I wonder what you thought about that. Well, Jeff, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, back in the early 1990s, my wife and I lived in South Florida, and we were there when Hurricane Andrew came through, and we lost just about every tangible item that we that we owned up to that point: our house and cars and business lost everything. We were well insured. Uh, we, we were able to regain, but at least for a short period of time, we lost every tangible, every physical asset that we had. And yet we were no, you know, within a couple of weeks, we were as happy as we'd been because we realized that all those things really weren't what were making us happy. It was the family and the friends that, that, that came down and helped us and the support that we got from others was just immeasurable and it was a it was a life lesson that about what's important in in, in life and it's, it's certainly not not about the bling as you said that it's it's the intangibles i think that brings us the most happiness yeah and quite often when you see when you see that sort of thing on telly because obviously in the uk we don't we don't get weather as extreme as what you guys mm-hmm. get it um you know i mean we get an inch of snow and everyone panics it's, <laughs> it's absolutely crazy <laughs> But what you see is is you see people bursting into tears when their photos have been damaged mm. or their or their wedding dresses have been destroyed or something like that. It's the things that have the memories attached to them. Mm. It's not, oh my God, my Rolex is smashed, or oh my God, you know, my Tesla's just got a tree through the front windscreen. It's it's those other things, those things that we cherish on a, a far deeper level. That actually, we you see people respond in a more emotional, with an mm-hmm. emotional charge to it. Yeah, interesting talking to people after the hurricane. We had some time to take some things with us, and I would ask people, "So, what did you take with you?" And oftentimes, it wasn't clothes, it wasn't that Rolex watch, it was a photo book that most people made sure they took with them because that was the one thing that could not be replaced were those pictures with family and friends from significant experiences in our life. Photo album, more important than almost anything. Yeah, no, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, so Tim, the floor is now yours for you to share how we can find out more about you um, and anything else that you have to to share with the the audience. Sure. Well, Jeff, thank you. It's just been uh, a great experience to be with you on on the show today. Uh, For your listeners, one, uh, my website, I would like to steer them towards. It's uh, smallbusinessmattersonline.com, smallbusinessmattersonline.com. Dot com, variety of, of, of blogs and and articles that's available to them, uh, uh, videos. 
I also publish a monthly newsletter uh, uh, free of charge. It's called Small Business Matters, and they can register uh, for that newsletter on my website. Uh, Jeff, you were kind enough to mention in the, in the beginning that I've, I've authored two books, Small Business Matters and Small Business Matters and all that jazz. Those books are available either on the website or uh, on uh, Amazon.com, uh, either one. And I'd, I'd, be, I'd love to hear from your listeners. And if I can help them in any way, I'd, I'd love to do that. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Tim. And it just finally, just to say, wishing you the greatest success. And thanks for joining me tonight. Very welcome, and, and same to you. And just before you go, just let me tell you about a webinar that I will be running on the 14th of March at 2000 GMT. It is about giving you strategies and tactics to help you create and live an exceptional life. The webinar is called Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts. And if you are one of those people who are listening, who is looking at doing just that, who is looking at achieving great things in their lives and this webinar is definitely for you all you need to do is visit www.jeffnicholson.uk forward stroke webinar and you can register spaces are limited so that's on the 14th of march at 2000 that's eight o'clock gmt um take care and i look forward to seeing you there this episode is sponsored by Rise of the Youpreneur, the definitive guide to becoming the go-to leader in your industry and building a future-proof business. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that was put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you'd have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.